1: I'm
2: all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, Lucky Day,
3: Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? It's a good <laughs> question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Podi, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right.
0: Stay tuned, cause it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program.
5: Produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense. I know this is a really hard time for everyone. We're facing a killer virus, economic pain, and all the frustrations of being cooped up at home. Believe me, I have two teenagers to deal with. But the worst thing we can do is let up now, triggering a second coronavirus wave that causes more death and economic chaos. What you're doing is working. You're saving lives. So let's all hang in there, and please, stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
3: Hey, welcome back, everybody. This uh, is the Tom Sumner Program. Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to be talking with... um, Uh, the author of Breakup Boot Camp, Chief Heart Hacker Amy Chan. But uh, this hour, we're talking about uh, freelancers and their uh, prospective uh, earnings. With the uh, CEO of uh, Bunny Studio, they've recently done a study that uh, indicates freelancers say that they make more freelancing than they did when they were working full-time jobs and uh, joining me is uh, the CEO of Bunny Studio Santiago Jaramillo from uh, Bunny Studio Uh, he's joining me by phone Santiago welcome to the show
6: thank you Tom and thank you for having me
3: here um, what prompted this, uh, this study? Well, I guess maybe you should tell me what Bunny Studio is um, because I had pictures of uh, Hugh Hefner in my head.
6: No! <laughs> Please take me out of that image. Uh, that's not what we're actually aiming to, to promote. Uh, no, Bunny Studio is just an image of being candid, but uh, it's a company that focuses on connecting creative, creative freelancing. With companies that are in need of uh, augmenting uh, that creative services, so that's either voiceovers, design services, content writers, uh, videographers, animators, and uh, either you're an agency or a streaming company or a YouTube producer that is looking uh, help to help with your creative freelancing services, uh, Bonnie Studio helps you to connect with those people in a very fast and quality manner uh, and allows you to scale that way.
3: And, and what prompted you to do a study of the uh, earning potential of uh, freelancers? Was that, in in some ways, uh, uh, somewhat self-serving?
6: Uh, definitely. No, you're, you're completely right. We, we've been <laughs> in the market for about nine years now. Uh, we mainly go around, uh, uh, we work mainly with companies in the U.S. and European countries, and one of the things that you constantly notice is about not only how companies are demanding more freelancing services, again, to augment their needs, but also how the individual themselves are plugging in to that equation and either making a living or a parallel income uh, to what they were doing. And, and that constant research of how the spirit and how work is being transformed uh, today with all of this connectivity and with all of the closures uh, in the cities around the world, uh, then how does freelancing plug in and, and, and serve in matter of growth for these businesses and individuals.
3: Well that would seem to hint that uh, businesses are paying more money for freelance uh, services uh, than they do to their their regular employees. Why would why would they want to use freelancers when they could make a uh, uh, staff employee out of someone?
6: You're completely right. And I wouldn't necessarily say that businesses are paying more to freelancers that are in than full-time employees. I think the equation that you end up finding is that freelancers are capable of capturing multiple clients at the same time that allows them to get a larger income than if they were working for one uh, single company. So it's very common to find that companies don't necessarily uh, recruit full-time freelancers for one or two years, that's not necessarily what is happening. What you tend to see is that companies have peaks of growth, uh, which implies that they have peaks on demand for creating something, whatever it could be, again, creatives, a website, um, a voiceover for a video. And when those peaks arrive, building an in-house staff. Team for either one month, two months, or even a week, uh, it's very expensive. So what they ended up doing is that they go and find freelancers per the hour or per the project. And when you do that, you are actually paying a bit more of what you were paying if you hire a full-time person. Uh, but you're not hiring a full-time person for the year for that specific project. You just hire them for a mo- for a week. You hire them for a month. Gotcha. Hardened uh, for a project that is going to last six weeks in different hours, and that ends up giving you a higher payment uh, than if you were doing a, a full time approach. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, it it does. And in, in fact, I used to uh, play music for a living many many years ago, and in a way um, that was somewhat <laughs> like um, freelancing, um, in that um, yeah. you know, we get paid you know gig by gig, um, so okay. some some weeks we made a lot of money. Some weeks we didn't make any money. Is that the same? Is that true for freelancers? Are they, are they making more money uh, for the year or just for little pieces of time?
6: Look, uh, I wouldn't make it in a black or white scenario. Like everything, and specifically in the work environment, is not plain vanilla. Uh, But I can tell you the following: the majority of freelancers, once they've been two years doing freelancing, Uh, They get to understand how to move within the ecosystem of finding clients, of finding platforms, of finding sources of income. That allows them that, in average, 80% of people that are doing freelancing after their second year are making more or equivalent money if they were doing a full-time job. But that requires two years of work. On the other hand, you're completely right. Freelancing, it's very hard to offer you a predictable stable income every week, every month, every year. You have peaks uh, that are high and you have peaks that are down. But an interesting approach, that are different companies, including Bonnie Studio, are starting to experiment on that approach of how you can actually stabilize the income of someone throughout a period of time. Uh, so you get predictable income and somehow you actually uh, cover that through, through work in the future. That's uh, They might be making that last part a little bit complicated, but what I'm trying to suggest is businesses and companies that are working in the freelancing sphere are starting to build solutions to make that income stable for freelancing and and offer uh, solutions for that approach, because it's not a problem. It is definitely a problem.
3: Is the gig economy, um, I I, I I want to ask if the gig economy is creating more freelancers. I remember some years ago freelancers and consultants were people that were between jobs.
6: Mm-hmm. And uh, you're completely right. I, I'm not I'm not sure if it's the companies that are building the freelancing to grow but I think the world is going up to that structure of uh, more flexible work uh, more on-demand jobs either if it's not as your full income as an additional income And uh, it's being promoted mainly by the need of uh, finding the right person at the right moment to do a specific work, uh, regardless of where they are. And uh, the gig economy has been captured significantly by uh, the delivery industry. So when you think about the gig economy, you tend to think about the delivery industry mainly. But there is a growing gig economy of knowledgeable workers, creative workers, that are pushing and connecting uh, throughout the world, which is very interesting about digitalization, where you were potentially not able to uh, grow your income in the region or the city that you're living, but you open the doors of connecting to the web and you're, quote unquote, in a matter of a couple of days, finding clients in London or in Singapore or in Australia that are in need of your specific expertise, either you are in New York or in Kansas City, uh, regardless of where you are, you're able to find a global pool of customers
3: you know in the in the study that you did uh and the and the uh, subsequent report um it, it says 63% of freelancers say they they earn equal or more than they did when they were doing a full-time <clears throat> 9 to 5 job but it also um suggests that they're working less hours is is that because they're they're not running out the clock every day. The, you know, we we always hear about nine-to-fivers who watch the clock and, you know, maybe mm-hmm. aren't productive the whole eight hours they're there. Is it because they're only working when they're actually producing? You're
6: completely right. And, and again, I, I, I come part of uh, this tech idea of, uh, uh, again, knowledgeable workers. You bring value through your knowledge, not through the hours that you invest. Uh, on on a a specific place. And we've been building companies that require people to spend 40, 45, 60 hours or a specific amount of hours on a weekly basis, allegedly doing the work. But there's a big part of the time that you're not doing the work. You're just at the office, at the chair, at your computer, letting your brain go to a lot of places. And it happens to a lot of people in a lot of industries, regardless of what it is. Uh, And when you do freelancing, you don't have the luxury of waiting. You don't have the luxury of saying, hey, I can actually procrastinate the next six hours to get the delivery before the end of the day because your time is more valuable because you've been being paid by the hour. And those six hours that you procrastinate are those six hours that you might not be monetizing. Uh, So you do have a, like when I work with freelancers, one of the things that I really enjoy working with them is uh, they are really effective, they're really good in time management, because they understand that the more effective they are, the more productive they become, uh, the more flexibility they can have in their lives. And what freelancers do, you don't necessarily maximize your 60 hours of income. What you tend to do is you maximize your income to have a stable livelihood. So what you end up doing is you may work 35 hours or 30 hours on a weekly basis because that's good enough to make a living
3: and you know when we talk about you know people being less than productive when they're at a nine to five job we're not talking about people that are just sitting around playing solitaire all day it may be that you call someone you need a very important piece of information before you go on to the next thing and you haven't been able to reach that person um you know so there are these delays that happen you know that if if you're not uh chained to a desk, you could go off and do something else and then come back. So you're not actually on the clock, as they say.
6: I'm completely right. And if I may add a comment, I wouldn't point that, that people go, get jobs to be unassured. I, I wouldn't ever allege that's the case. I do think organizations have a big challenge understanding how to get the best out of our full-time people. Uh, I think that happens in every industry. Uh, I and mean, interestingly, when you, as a business, when you think about freelancing, you have clarity of a scope. So even the direction that you give to freelancers is more clear so they can actually do more efficient work. Uh, and that could be a paradox of, uh, again, work and businesses rather than, than, than anything else. But yeah, I wouldn't point that like people just go to business to sit because that's what they do. No, we don't do that.
3: No, and and uh, and I didn't want to give that impression. That's why I wanted to go back and kind of uh, you know underline that that sometimes.
6: Thanks for clarifying.
3: Yeah, being on the clock from nine to five, you may not be you know nose to the grindstone the whole eight hours. That doesn't mean that you're, you know, that you're just playing around. Um, anyway, we have to take a short break. My guest is Santiago, or Jaramillo, or Haramillo rather, CEO of Bunny Studio. And um he uh we're talking about freelancing. We have to take a short break right now, but um Hi. Standby. Uh, uh my God my God, God, apologies for that. Standby. Um we're uh reconnecting uh with um santiago right now but uh, first we're going to let our broadcast partners at 92.1 fm squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break if you're streaming us at tomsumnerprogram.com we have some messages as well so don't touch that dial don't click that mouse we'll have uh, more of our conversation about freelancing and Everybody's freelancers right after this a new dance now.
4: hi this is mark farner and you're listening to the tom sumner program
1: Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer,
5: and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show.
3: Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about uh, freelancing and freelancers with Bunny Studios CEO Santiago Jaramillo. Santiago, welcome back.
6: Uh, thank you, Tom, for having me back here again.
3: Um. One of the things that I wanted to ask about is uh, the impact of um, the pandemic on on freelancers. Uh, w- w- there are people who maybe were already typically working from home has it Has it disrupted uh, work for freelancers or are I, or are they in a better position to uh, uh, continue working in this environment?
6: Uh I think it, it, it again, like I wouldn't make it a black or white uh situation. It depends on a couple of factors, but I what I can tell you definitely is uh from what I've been seeing through all the years is that freelancing is growing uh everywhere in the world, not only in the United States but also in European countries and South Asia. And uh, one of the things that the pandemic uh, economic effects had was that it speed up the adoption but uh main businesses and it speed up the adoption by individuals to find extra sources of income. So for those of them who can actually do knowledgeable, worker, knowledgeable work uh, and, and do it as a gig, uh, it has actually boosted in certain areas because uh, there are different companies that, and this has happened several times and I've seen it with some of my clients, that instead of uh, building that in-house team that they were planning to build, uh, they went to a more temporal solution with freelancing for a couple of months before they either decide what happened. And uh, one of the things that they found is that for their businesses, the freelancing model was that was not necessarily their, for, uh, their first option, but a uh, necessity to adapt, has become a good way of working. And for individuals who might be affected because the demand on the labor market is lower. Uh, they they have been able to find sources of income through actually either expanding their freelancing time or becoming freelancers in their realm of expertise.
3: And and is um, you say that uh, freelancing is on the rise, that more and more people are doing it. Has has the pandemic contributed to that that increase? Do you think?
6: Definitely, I, I definitely think so. I think. Having cities closed, uh, having people with uh, less capacity to commute, and businesses either taking the decision of uh, closing some offices, uh, has allowed that remote or yeah that remote type of work uh, to be boosted, and actually having more people saying, "Hey, instead of going to." local place where we were potentially getting a voiceover for the radio app that uh, you were listening uh, recently potentially you go online and try to find that person and not only from the company side but also from the individual uh, they're telling the clients hey instead of asking me to go to a place why don't we do it this virtual uh, and potentially spitting up that uh, remoteness of the of the of the work uh, and it has opened definitely it has had effects on, on, on allowing people to be more wide connected and businesses to be hiring more people.
3: How do exactly. freelancers uh, build up their their own clients so that they can make a good living? Is that what they spend that first two years doing, is learning how to connect with uh, people who need their services?
6: Yes. I think that the first two years of freelancing are the most critical uh, years of any freelancing on any field. Um, why? Why? Is you're going to be learning different things that you don't do when you are a full-time person in a full-time job. So you will need to learn about uh, a little bit about distribution. You need to learn about what are the platforms uh, that are going to allow you to find out uh, work that are different platforms with different models. Uh, you're going to have to network uh, within, your, within, your, within the people that you know uh, to see what companies and businesses you can open. You're going to be using LinkedIn as well uh, to connect to some of those businesses and it will slowly start to pick up. It, it, is, it, it is a curve like many things in life. You just have to go through the curve. But once you understand how uh, those web platforms uh, work, how you, once you understand how companies are buying freelancing services, you have that distribution channel to, put, to position yourself. And then you're gonna be doing a lot of other things like a little bit of financials, you're gonna be doing a little bit of project management that you might not be doing before. And once you get that moving, that takes around a year, two years to, to go. And once you're there, uh, that's where uh, freelancing for a lot of people that d- dedicate full-time to freelancing uh, works. Uh, I think that's the sweet spot of uh, becoming a full-time freelancer.
3: And, and do people start out as uh, full-time freelancers, or is this something that, that people start doing sort of in a moonlighting way while they're maybe employed somewhere else full-time?
6: I've seen both uh, things happening, like very mindful professionals saying, I'm gonna make freelancing my way of living. And then what they do is they do invest their eight, 10 hours of work on a daily basis, very aggressively for the first couple of weeks to reduce that, those two years of our uh, learning curve. Uh, and the majority of the people uh, that I work with of what I've seen, uh, they do start by making it an, an extra income in the afternoon. So they have their, their regular day to job uh, in their offices. And they arrive home and they do a couple of hours of work or they do it on the weekends and, and they start to build up a community of clients and, uh, and income that eventually allows them to do a smoother transition uh, down the line.
3: You know, I, some of the elements of the uh, of the report that you put out, Santiago, um, talks about the flexibility and schedule and and working in mm-hmm. remote places, spending more time, doing things they consider meaningful but what about what about the discipline does it take a certain kind of discipline to freelance and 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 float sort of unconnected to a company
6: Uh, definitely and one of the things that comes associated with imaginary of freelancing is that a I don't know why I go into, my head goes into Australia and it picks a, like a surfing board uh, and somehow my <laughs> brain goes into the idea that I'm surfing throughout the day and then I just go to my computer a couple of hours, chill out, get a drink, and that was the day. Uh, I think that's a misconception of freelancing because uh, you're doing work uh, and work requires certain uh, strengths, discipline, consistency, productivity, quality, attention to detail, uh, and it's, you're bringing those strengths and set to your freelancing uh, approach. And when people talk about the flexibility to work from different places, it's not necessarily to be, I, I like to stay away from the millennium, uh, from millennials, even though I could be classified as a, as a millennium, uh, of uh, you driving in your van through all the US and having a great time and connecting to your computer. I think people are talking more about being at their parent's house because one of their parents is sick. Uh, and the capacity to be able to work from their house, uh, it's a remarkable opportunity. Or having two kids that you're raising up and one of them requires uh, some of your attention throughout the day and the capacity to have the flexibility to be at home and say, I'm going to be working from potentially, this is very common, from 5 a.m. to midday uh, so I get my work done and then from midday in the afternoon, I'm uh, paying attention to my kids. Uh, and I think that's the flexibility that most freelancers uh, are, are looking for rather than then let me go back to the idea of uh, I'm surfing throughout the day and then I work a couple of hours in the night with a with a beer on my desk. Uh, I think that's that's a misconception and discipline, work, uh, quality, attention to detail, it's crucial to, to succeed in freelancing.
3: What kinds of, um, are, are there certain kinds of work that freelancing is um, more effective for doing? I mean, obviously production requires people being there, putting parts together and doing things, but... Um, are there certain kinds of jobs that are especially good for freelancing?
6: Uh, I <laughs> allow you to say that I go back into it again. There's no black and white. But I would say that in the knowledgeable gig economy today, uh, areas like design, video, writing are, are booming. Uh, a lot of companies are requesting uh, constant design services, video service, uh, even more as the world becomes more video focused and re- content focused, uh, companies are looking a lot for audio, and, and those type of creative things are are, are booming today. Uh, but aside from that, you're gonna find also consulting. Uh, you're gonna find um, you're gonna find consulting. You're gonna find development. Uh, you're gonna find uh, business different type of acumen approaches that also work uh, for freelancing. But I would go into, into those creative areas, which is also my area of expertise. Uh,
3: Santiago, how's, how's the market for, uh, for doing uh, voiceover? I'm asking for a friend. Mm-hmm.
6: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is good, and, and it is different. It is, I can tell you it's more competitive. One of the things that comes into, into freelancing, like any other, any other area of business, is the more it becomes more popular, the more competition it is, the more skill sets you have to bring to the table. So it's not only about how good a voiceover you are, but also how good you're connecting or, or being able to move around that. Uh, but voiceovers, it, it's growing. There's a, there's a big area of uh, redistribution of uh, the industry from many years ago to being concentrating in LA, in Europe, specifically for the voiceover industry, uh, to being able to operate from either part of the world with a good hood. Good hum uh, sound um, equipment. Uh, it's actually it's actually good, and you can make it a couple of hours a week, and it, it's going to work for you.
3: Interesting. You um, know a
6: platform that can help you out to get on board. By the way, what's that? <laughs> I, I know a platform that can help you get on board.
3: Oh, and that's that's the other thing. Is um, it's it's one thing to to have a great deal of knowledge, you know, or or skill set um, you know, like maybe you're a, a good writer or, um, a good designer, but, um, what's the best way for people to wade through the various platforms that will get them to where they need to be?
6: Uh, is, uh, I'll tell you the following. It depends on how you, the, how you want to approach freelancing because there are, what I've learned, there are two ways that you can approach freelancing in that as, as you build your customer clientele. You go very aggressive on owning your customer clientele, and then you figure out a lot of things about distribution and accessing, uh, which is mainly what I've been speaking about those two years the curve. Year. Or you go to platforms like Bonnie Studio, uh, where they've built that customer clientele throughout all the years, and you mainly plug to uh, those sales channels that are already existing, demand that is already existing, and you build your uh, freelancing portfolio on those type of platforms. I'm not the only one on the market, of course, uh, and it's very common to find those two type of approaches. You build your own customer clientele, or you tap into other companies' customer clientele, and then you build a bridge uh, to become a freelancer.
3: You, you know, I hear a lot about uh, people who are in uh, uh, Employed in nine to five jobs, and and they dream of starting their own business. Uh, um, is freelancing like starting your own business?
6: I I would say it is. I I would say it is, and it has the possibility of growing uh, to becoming again, your source, your full time source of income, and it also allows you to build your micro network of freelancing. Something that is that I've also seen is freelancing, managing a small group of freelancers because they're really good at what they do so their customer clientele is demanding more from them so you eventually build your own freelancing a small network of people. Uh, and if that's not building your business, then it's hard to know what it is. It's, it's actually figuring out every day, having have the self-discipline to wake up at the same time, uh, organizing your customers, sending those sales, email, uh, doing that financial that you have to do and doing the core of the work around the expertise that you have. And uh, building your, your own business around your own brand, I mean your own quality.
3: And and um, are you on your own really for quality standards and quality control? That's that's really kind of up to you when you work as a freelancer, isn't it?
6: It is yes, and and I think there's there's nothing else that you can do if if, if you don't. Like, it's very hard to to. To succeed in this universe, like many things in, in, in the professional environment, uh, if your quality, if your speed, if your communications are not are not assertive.
3: Is this um, something that's maybe more appealing to millennials than than maybe older workers to become freelancers?
6: I, I, I wouldn't agree with that statement necessarily. I, I, I do know one thing, depending on the country that you live. I was reading Recently, that Spain specifically has an unemployment of um, of uh, young of people younger than 30 of around 35, 40 percent. So I can imagine in that type of economy having a larger number of people aiming to be freelancers of their age. Uh, but I work with uh, I, I, one of my good time friends and long-term uh, professional that I've been working with. Uh, we started working to get us a freelancer, and he's a South African and he fixes and uh, he's a writer. And uh, we started working with freelancing for about two, three years, and eventually he joined our team full-time. Uh, but he was fascinated by the idea of being able to freelance somewhere in his 60s, uh, getting closer to being able to understand how to plug in into, again, communication channels, demand, uh, organizing your, your routine around those projects. And, uh, and I've seen it both ways. I wouldn't put that it's a generation or age type of work. I think different people from different... Um, uh, exper- expertise and ages can approach uh, freelancing and make it successful.
3: Um, Santiago, is there are there some obvious resources now? I know Bunny Studio might be one, um, but for people that are interested in finding out more about freelancing, what it takes, the the kind of commitment they need, are there? Resources and articles and, and things where people can explore it a little bit? Uh,
6: they exist. I wouldn't know the, the specific uh, names by now, but I can tell you one that I, on, that, I, that I every once in a while enjoy, not only for freelancing, but to making that uh, flexibility of adapting your systems to working on your own. It's called lifehack.org. So it's an organization on how to, again, hack your life allegedly, uh, but they're really good at exploring income sources uh, for freelancers, uh, and, and they go in a really good in-depth way. It's not associated to any brand, uh, and they bring different experience and different people to to talk about, how again, how you can hack your life, and without hacking your life, how do you increase your uh, income through, through um, freelancing. So I would recommend Lifehap.org as one of our, sources
3: um is is there a place where people can go and see the the report that uh that you've done through uh definitely Studio? I, mm-hmm. our,
6: our report is hosted in bonnie uh dash blog um and then uh, it's one of our main articles that you find there uh regarding the numbers and what we've done and again we, we went over uh sampling uh more than 25 percent of our active um community of freelancers and it has different uh, wide ranges of uh, backgrounds and ages which makes it very interesting.
3: Um, You know I'm vaguely familiar with the Small Business Administration and and some of the uh, their regional offices and the assistance that they provide to entrepreneurs that are starting businesses. Um, Do they work with freelancers? Are they a decent resource, resource for freelancers or uh, is their uh, program too specific?
6: That's a really good question and I would tell you that I'm not 100% sure about uh, if that there's a connection there I believe that most of these agencies are still focused on either how you build a, a, a traditional business in the understanding of uh, building a product or, or building a consulting firm uh, on that regard uh, rather than freelancing. I still think freelancing is too recent for a lot of government government agencies uh, to help you go through that. Um, And I think you're going to find more resources online, and you're going to find a lot of uh, communities, by the way, and people of how to connect uh, and how to help each other on, on freelancing.
3: Well, Santiago, it's about time for us to wrap up, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can more where they can go to to dig in a little bit. Can you give the the Bunny Studio uh, website again?
6: Definitely. it's bunnystudio.com. dot uh, com far away to be related to huge Hefner as you started the conversation. Uh, <laughs> it's all about freelancing for creative. <laughs> so we're helping companies scale their needs by finding quality and speed up people on the creative industry, video, voice solvers, uh, content writers, or designers. And for those same people that are working in those areas, uh, it's a good place to, to start uh, if you haven't built your LinkedIn tell uh, yet.
3: Well, Santiago, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for spending this time with me this morning.
6: Um, thank you so much for having me. It was fun uh, being part of this conversation. And uh, thank you for the opportunity.
3: Okay, take care. That was uh, Santiago Jaramillo. He is the CEO of Bunny Studio. They've uh, just recently released a report based on a study they did that um, indicates that 63% of freelancers can earn equal or more than when they were doing a full-time 9-to-5 job. Interesting uh, interesting stuff to be sure. Anyway, uh, we've got a break coming up, but we're gonna- have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead.
2: And that's a fact.
1: Old-fashioned radio for a new generation the time summer program.com the time summer program.com the time summer program.com Hello there
7: citizens, Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous.
1: Darkwing
4: Duck out. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you are worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov.
0: Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom
1: Sumner
2: This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters.
3: if you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
0: Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I was... Uh... I was watching television, and it was a John Wayne war movie. I guess they're all John Wayne war movies. (laughs) Do you ever think how close we came to losing the war if he hadn't been with us? (laughs) But uh, I I don't want to tell you the plot of the thing because I hate people who do that, but uh, we win it, you see. Now, my problem is that uh, I want to start talking about airplanes right now, and there is no logical way to get... Out of what I was talking about, and talking about airplanes. <laughs> and you should always tie things in together. So, I will try this. In the war movies, they always had that one shot of the dogfight with the airplanes. Speaking of airplanes, <laughs> I recently flew out from uh, Chicago, and I uh, I don't enjoy flying at all. Uh, I'm one of those ones, first of all, who gets on stoned. You know, right away. <laughs> Secondly, I usually sit in the lounge and I whimper all through the flight. <laughs> and I, I look out the window and I turn the guy who's sitting next to me and I'll say, This flying is really amazing. I said, The people, they look like ants down there. And he'll say, Those are ants, you idiot. We haven't taken off yet, you know. <laughs> but anyway. There's a, there's a logical explanation for why I don't fly. I took a non-scheduled airline one time. I was in the army and I wanted to go to Hawaii on a three-day passing. I
1: <laughs>
0: But I didn't have a lot of money and they were running ads at the time. Uh, and one ad read, take a chance on the Mrs. Grace L. Ferguson airline and storm door company. See, so (laughs) it gave an address and I went out to this address and it was this woman's home. And she had a little counter set up in her living room and uh, we had to go up to the John to weigh our baggage, I remember. And (laughs) Then we all got in her Volkswagen and she drove us out to the airport. We got aboard this (laughs) DC-1. After we were out about two hours, a captain came out. He gave one of those addresses, they all give. And I'll never forget it, and this is why I don't fly anymore. came out like this. You're the navigator. You ought to be able to figure out where the hell we are. (laughs) Uh, Good evening. I'd, uh, I'd like to welcome you aboard the Mrs. Grace L. Ferguson Airline and Stormdoor Company.
1: Company.
0: Uh, I don't know how much you know about our airlines. We've, uh, we've only been in business uh, about a week. Uh, our airline was uh, founded on the philosophy that what the American public was really looking for was low-cost overseas transportation, uh, we have attempted to eliminate what we call in the airline business uh, frills and extras like uh, maintenance and, uh, <laughs> and radar and a whole bunch of, uh, of, uh, of technical instruments up in the...
1: Uh...
0: <clears throat> Boy, have, have you ever had one that hangs on for about four or five days? <laughs> I don't, I don't mind the headaches too much, but it's that damn double vision that just... <laughs> oh, uh, incidentally, I want to apologize for uh, your having to stand all the way. <laughs> uh, if I can give you a little tip there, every, uh, oh, half hour or so, you want to alternate your arms through those uh, straps above your head. Uh, you, you folks flying tourists, you don't have any straps. <laughs> so uh, don't uh, don't bother looking for them <laughs> well, uh, we're going to have a little drill in a few moments uh, <laughs> by our, our two students is Trixie and Bubbles <laughs> well, I'm sorry Miss Watson and Miss Savage and uh, they'll show you how to put your life jackets on uh, there really isn't that much to it but a lot of people uh, get them on backwards and uh, well, that way you're going to wind up with your face in the water. Uh, if we should have to ditch, you'll, you'll receive plenty of warning uh, because our co-pilot becomes hysterical. And he'll, he'll start uh, running up and down the aisles uh, yelling, uh, you know, we're going to crash or, or something like that. Uh, actually, he gets, he gets kind of panicky, and it isn't always too easy to understand him. Uh, at least it hasn't been in the past, anyway. <laughs> so if, if you see him running up and down the aisles, uh, and you can't make out what he's saying, uh, you, might, you might slip into your life jackets. <coughs> Be on the safe side. Uh, I'd like to answer some questions that you may have uh, about the airline. It's uh, the woman right here. Ma'am, if I may, I'll repeat the question so everyone uh, can hear it. It, If we should ditch, how long would the plane remain afloat? Is is that that your question, Uh, (laughs) ma'am? Golly, that's that's awful hard to say, (laughs) ma'am. Uh, some of them go down like a rock, you know? <laughs> and then, I don't know, for some reason or other, others will stay up for, oh, two, three minutes, it's <laughs> a, sir, if I may, I'll get your question next. I want to get the gentleman's way in the back there sir could you kind of speak up a little bit i can't hear you over the roar of our engines maybe you know if you just oh wait they stopped now sir <laughs> ha- harry the engines went out again it's uh the third button on the left i think here hold, hold it harry the cabin lights are going out uh uh, try the third button on the right. That's got him. That's got him. You want, you want to try that question again, sir? Sir, I'm sorry. I still can't make out what you're saying. Oh, well, sure. All right. All right. You can try it that way. It may work. First word. So, sounds like running <laughs> sounds like racing track and field ran oh it sounds like ran uh, man a lot of man a whole bunch of men oh men men it's right behind you there sir <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I took your question ahead of this gentleman's over here Uh, I really have to get back in the cabin now. We uh, we have it on automatic pilot, but uh, well, the damn thing keeps kicking in and out all the time, and uh, <laughs> we never really know if it's on or not. Oh, uh, one of the one of the reasons I came out here, I nearly forgot. Uh, have Have any of you ever ever been to Hawaii before? This a gentleman, gentleman right here. It's uh, it's kind of liver shaped, isn't it, sir? <laughs> Sir, as, as we're coming in, uh, would you mind very much uh, stopping by the cabin and kind of <laughs> pointing it out to us? We sure appreciate it. Thank you very much. I hope you have a very pleasant trip. Thank you. Thank you. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom
1: Sumner
5: program.
7: We're all in for a bumpy ride. I'll we'll see you on the other side. It's not the same without you here. I hold on to this phone so tight for you a goodnight kiss I'll see you on the other side When I crawl out of my cage When the world is purified I will find you and I promise this I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side And I'll meet you with arms open wide. See you on the other side. See you on the other side. See you on the other side. And I'll meet you with arms open wide. See you on the other side.
6: Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. The Tom Sumner Pro-